Welcome to Writers Talking TV, brought to you by the Writers Guild of Canada. I'm Simon Rassiopa. From Wayne and Schuster to the kids in the hall to This Hour has 22 minutes, Canadian television has a long history of incredible sketch comedy series. On today's podcast, we're lucky enough to speak with Gary Pearson and Jan Caruana, respectively the showrunner and head writer on Sunnyside, a brand new original sketch comedy series currently airing on City TV. We'll get into all the juicy details and see if we can't figure out the method behind the madness of Sunnyside. So, Sunnyside. So it's on City TV right now. Yes. Six episodes. So it's, been, it's been on, and if you want to see it, it's pretty easy to see. If you have a, an on-demand uh, system in your television set, you can go to on-demand and see it, or you can go online and see it. There, the six episodes are there in their entirety, so you can see it. But we're also going to see one here tonight. So. We are. We're going to see the first yeah. one here tonight. So if anyone's uh, you know, not caught up, you can go online and see the rest of them. Like, yeah. You know, I'm sure you like what you see tonight. I mean, the reviews have been great, but a couple. John Doyle of the Globe said it was a sharp little satire of contemporary urban life, which yeah, we is were great. Very excited when John Doyle liked it. We yeah. were very surprised. He doesn't like a ton of stuff. No, he doesn't. So, but we were very uh, Bill Brew at the Star said it's a magical place unlike anything else on TV, which is that's kind of a huge compliment. Yes, we were very excited about that. Right. So I think what we'd like to do before we watch the episode is just talk about how it all came together. Just I think you know a lot of our audience here, uh, I think, likes to know just. From, from the first inception to that green light of production to, like, we're making a TV show, that process. And obviously, uh, that can be a long, tumultuous path. It can be lots of ups and downs. It can take years. So why don't we just start with that? I mean, obviously, you're both super experienced writers. Where did, where did the whole show start? Where did everything come from? Uh, well, it started um, that I had a pitch with, uh, in with Rogers through uh, – a company called Counterfeit, and uh, Shane is here from Counterfeit. Hi, Shane. Hi, Shane. Uh, and uh, we had a pitch in with Rogers, and uh, Dan Redican, who uh, couldn't be here tonight, uh, is also the co-creator of the show. He had a pitch in with Rogers, and uh, Rogers said that we like some of what you've done. We don't quite like uh, it enough to do right. it. Um, and so th- what they said to me was, uh, we, like, we like your show, but we'd like you to do this one thing. We'd like you to go, just come with us, and they took me to this nursing home, and there, staring out the window in his underwear, was Dan Redican. Right. And, and he, he was just mumbling to himself, and they Did said, could a, you rehabilitate this man? Did he have food spilled on him at the time? Food just was spilled on him. Yeah, I've heard that. I'm so Dan. glad he's not here. Um, but anyway, what they said was, basically, we like you, and we like Dan, can, and we like some of the things that you've got in these pitches, but uh, we're wondering if you could put something together. Uh, uh, together. And... Um, and not uh, being stupid, we said, yeah, we'll, we can do that. And so we, we had meetings with the guys from Counterfeit, and we started talking about ideas. And one of the things that unified uh, the show and brought the ideas together was to set it in a neighborhood. Right. To have a sketch comedy show that took place in a place that had a variety of characters, but they were connected uh, without always knowing they were connected. And as we started to talk about it, and we, we had ideas uh, about magic and about this kind of unique neighborhood. So it was kind of based on Parkdale, sort of, but with a magical element. Now, had you and Dan met before? I'm, I've known Dan for about 30 years. Right. Uh, I knew him when he was in the Frantics, and I was in the Chumps a long time ago doing comedy on stage in Toronto, and he was always a little bit more successful than me. But uh, I've always, I have known him for a long time, but I had never actually uh, worked with him. I'd uh, been on comedy bills with him at the Rivoli and everything back in the day. Uh, but I hadn't worked with him, but I always liked him. 
Right. So, uh, and he was indifferent to me and wanted to work. So, uh, <laughs> we, we as most to, writers are. Yeah. So we were able to uh, put that together. Then, um, then once uh, once we got that together and we wrote the proposal and figured it out what it was, then we went into a writer's room and that's where Jan came in and uh, Kathleen Phillips and Alistair Forbes, also really terrific writers. And then we started to uh, write a whole lot of material, which became the uh, pilot episode. And right. from first meeting to airing on television was almost exactly one year, which is lightning fast. Which Canada. may be a record, I think. Yeah, I think so. Almost, We're very right? happy about like, that. That's, yeah. that's kind of amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know, most shows, development can be minimum a year, two, well, I've had, three I've years, I've had five several years. development deals that have taken a couple of years, and then at the end of it is nothing. And yeah. so I'm sure other people in the room have had that happen. But this was uh, miraculous and wonderful, and we appreciate that. Rogers so I'd love to actually just back on. it up a tiny bit and just okay. get into a little more granularity there. So uh, you met with Dan, obviously. Yes. And I have to, I have to ask, because I think it's a question I, I'd like to know. We're just like, friends. It's not a thing. Well, it's, it's just, you know. Uh, I like him, but it's, I don't well, like what, like him. How different were the two pitches? Like, at the, at, was it just that? Well, Rogers they were both was... sketch comedy, right? So they had that in common. Uh, they both wanted to deal with characters, yeah, and they they had that in common. But there wasn't a lot I'll say in common. <laughs> but we liked each other's work, I think. So uh, I think that's that was the starting point. Really. So was, so uh, would it be accurate to say that it was more about? the two of you just working together than sort of a combining of two separate show ideas. Yeah, I think a lot of the show ideas fell by the wayside as we started to work together and go, what about this? Oh, how about that? And and just kept knocking stuff around until we found lots of things that we liked. Right. Okay, now, after that, was it a pitch process? Did you get that idea together on paper and then go back to either to, to Counterfeit or to City yeah, well, we were working with Yeah, we were working with Counterfeit all along, and then once we had something, um, we sent sent it up the line to to Rogers and then we wrote a bible and uh and had a, you know a multi-page uh, treatment of what we wanted to do and but the f- weird thing is when you do that it's we'll say well it's hilarious cuz this guy thinks he's satan and he's working in a coffee shop and it never reads particularly funny but fortunately they had confidence in us to uh to have us carry on right okay so at that point they sort of they what commissioned a pilot they gave because obviously, usually production, sorry, development goes in stages. You know, it's the pitch. There's, you know, then a little bit of money for a Bible, maybe a pilot after that. Yeah, I sort think of they gave us the, money. Uh, I think they gave us money for the Bible and the pilot at the same time to write right. the pilot. And then the pilot went back a couple of times with them, uh, with notes and suggestions from them. And uh, there were a few red herrings along the way because things with networks, um, this isn't unique to City, but... Something will happen. Will they say, "Oh, uh, can you put? Uh, we just bought hockey. Can you put a hockey player in it?" And so, you know, for two weeks there was a hockey player in it. And then they said, "You know what? The hockey guys say they don't care if we connect with them at all. So, you know what? Maybe we don't need the hockey, the hockey player went away." Right. So there was there was a little back and forth of that kind of stuff happening. Uh, but uh, basically, you know, after a few months, they just said, "Okay, you guys can do six of these." And away we went. Great. Okay, so for the pilot episode, was that when you brought in other writers like Jan? Yes, when we when we're writing the pilot. So Dan and I had the show kind of figured out, um, but uh, as to what we wanted to do, but we wanted we wanted help right away, and we wanted to have a room. We wanted to bounce our ideas off other people. We wanted to hear their ideas, and so. Uh, uh, I, I, I was not that familiar. I was familiar with Kathleen Phillips as a performer. I mm. really liked her, but I had never worked with her, and that was one of the people that 
um, the network and counterfeit really wanted on the on the show, and we said great because we had great uh, admiration for her. And then I dragged in Jan and Alistair, who I'd worked with on That's So Weird, and I just I have great uh, respect for their comedy. So. Uh, so then the, it was just the five of us in a room to, to knock out the pilot. So that was a pilot episode with yeah. a five-person writer, which is unusual, I think, to just on a pilot order. Usually the pilot's just written by you know, the series creator, whoever wrote the Bible. Maybe there's you know, a hired gun someone brought in to help with the process. Yeah, it was but a little different. People yeah. told us it was different, but I guess I'm, used, I'm usually working that way with other people, so that's well, the way I, we did I it. I think with a sketch show, I, I think even more so than... Uh, like a sitcom or something like that, collaboration is so important mm -hmm. because when you have a, a show like ours that is a hodgepodge of diverse characters, you want a bunch of diverse voices so everyone um, is different. Right. I think one, one thing a comedy writer does is, is uh, write something and says, oh, this is funny. And then the next thing they do is ask somebody, is this funny? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, right. They th they first they think it's funny, but then they ask have to ask somebody else, and then the people you want to ask that are really good comedy writers. So. Right. So that's obviously something you look for in the room is someone who's willing to say no, no, go. Yeah. That's not. Yeah. To do a I point. Look like I'm laughing. But no. if they do it too much, then out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, it's so. funny because oftentimes, like comedy writers won't laugh. They will just go. Yeah, that's funny. That's that's yeah. that's hilarious. No, that's all we need too. No, we don't we don't have to. It's great if they laugh, but if they go, no, that is actually a very valid joke. Thank you. But <laughs> one of, but one of the nicest things about Sunnyside in that writers' room was how much we were laughing at each other's sketches and laughing with each other. So I think for me, that's when I was like, this is going to be a really funny show to yeah. make to make comedy people laugh. I think right. is huge. And that's a um, uh, not to brag too much, but that's an atmosphere that I like. I really like to. Um, Here we go. It really like to oh. engender in the room is that uh, people are having, um, they're writing their best material, but they're having a really good day at work as well. Like they're having fun, right? Um, and uh, they like the people they're working with. And I think when you're a showrunner, you bring your experience uh, with you from all the different writing jobs you've had. And I've had some that were like that, and I've had some that were not like that. And so I was very keen that when I was running a room that I make sure that it's fun. Right. So when you stopped up for that pilot, yeah. I think you just said uh, you met some people. Uh, Jan was from your previous show. Yeah. So did you actually read anybody, or was it just kind of like it was a team? I mean, it was three people. So yeah. We all uh, submitted packages. Yeah. They did submit packages because we had to get approvals for them as well. But I did, I did read, and I continue to read uh, lots of people's stuff, mm -hmm. and I keep my eyes open for people that I like. And uh, uh, Jan and Alistair are people that I met through the comedy community in Toronto, doing improv and sketch comedy. The people that, for the first time I saw them, I saw them on stage, and then in both cases, I said, "You guys write." Can I read something of yours? And and it was not like they were like best pals of mine or anything. Right. And they continue to this day not to be friends at all. Yes, uh, it's important, I think, in a room. So Jan, so when did you just get the phone call? Did you did your agent call you and sort of did was it? Did he just show up at your house at midnight? In <laughs> yeah, a towel? Gary often just shows yeah. up at my house at With midnight. With a boombox, just a boombox box over his head. Which Work is on strange. my show. Yeah. Um, um, well, I think uh, I think I submitted my my package. And then just would keep calling Gary, going, did you hear anything? What's going on? Are, am I good? Gary, am I good? And then Gary would say, you're good, you're fine. And uh, I don't remember how I found out I was working on the show. I think maybe you told me, Gary. I probably did. Yeah. Gary uh, likes to give good news. Yes, I do. I have right. other people handle all the firings. 
That's great. So then, and then obviously you came in, and uh, the writing room was in Toronto. I mean, obviously yeah. this this series is shot in Winnipeg, but yeah. was older. It's for the pilot. We're just going to talk about the pilot at this point in the development. Okay. So. Well, in the pilot, that's who wrote the pilot, and then but when we got the order, then we got a we uh, got a little bit bigger room, uh, got more people, and we moved people uh, in and out of the room. We tried people for a couple of weeks, and uh, although that sounds like a trial, it really wasn't. It was really about getting more people into the room to get more voices into the room and right. more different voices. So um, one of the things about the show uh, that I'm proud of is that um, it reflects the Toronto neighborhood in uh, sort of an ethnic makeup, uh, which isn't always easy in Winnipeg to achieve. But um, we wanted to make sure that this kind of multi-ethnic uh, neighborhood had some multi-ethnic people in it right. and and that that came through in the writing as well so we had kevin vidal write, wrote who's who's in the show but he contributed uh writing and uh daryl hines as well and rapinder gill um so we had a, a, a mix of people come in and out and some some were only there for a couple of weeks but they got stuff in and uh they're part of the show and what about broadcaster i mean you talked a little bit about broadcaster input wanting a hockey player or or something like that. Well, how, how was the feedback uh, on the process of writing the pilot episode? Were there a lot of changes? Or, or did you have broadcasters sort of saying, oh, I don't really see this, this joke or this comedy? How, how finely grained did they get into the, the notes on the episode? Or were they, were they pretty easy? Well, they, they did have things to say. And in some cases, we had to explain the jokes a little bit more if they didn't get what we were doing. Because sometimes the things that were on the page were visual in nature are they dependent on the performance of the actor, which is something we were looking for? Um, but uh, we, we went back and forth with them. So, we, you know, we had to. And um, I have to give them credit, though. For most part, they came along for the ride. And, you know, they uh, let us do... If you watch the show, you'll see that they let us do quite a bit. Yes, <laughs> a lot of yeah. times when scripts would come back, you'd go, okay, well, what were the notes? And then you'd go, wait, wait, they're letting us do that? It's yeah. like, yeah, no problem, yeah. Wait, no, they wait, wait, they're, they're not saying anything? And the things that you expect them to say things about, they're like, great. And the things that you think are just going to fly right by, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, there's some, well, in a later episode, not the one you're going to see, Jan wrote a thing where a guy falls in love with a chicken. As one does. And uh, I... Sorry, what's, all, what's the weird thing here? No, nothing, <laughs> nothing weird for you, all you chicken lovers out there. Uh, but here's, a, here's a, an example, though, of what happened with that. that when Jan wrote the original... Uh, script of it. The guy was working on the line in a chicken uh, processing factory and chickens were coming down the line and his job was to chop the chicken's head off as it came by. And then at one point, this beautiful chicken comes along. The light is perfect on the chicken. The chicken has beautiful eyes. He looks at the chicken and he just knows he cannot kill that chicken. He grabs up the chicken, runs off, and they're going, hey! And there's signs up saying, do not fall in love with the chickens. (laughs) And and that was and then he he goes off and there's a relationship scene with the with the chicken and the the relationship goes through rela- stuff that a relationship will go through they have their glory they're times they're in love and then they had a falling out so anyway when it went to the network not keen on slaughtering the chickens <laughs> chicken love okay yeah. that's guy fine. wants to do it with that's a chicken fine, but... no probs yeah 
And also with the production, when we got to Winnipeg, it's like, how do we do a chicken factory? Anyway, so that was one of those things. So then now in the version that you see in television, there's a, there's a farmer that pulls up with a truck. His truck's having trouble, conks out, and there's a chicken on the Spoiler back of the truck. Spoiler Well, then he falls in love with the chickens. It's, we found a way to do it, in other words. I think, right. I think the best part of, of the pr- production of that sketch was when the animal wrangler came into the writer's room in Winnipeg and said, I've been looking at chickens all weekend. What kind of chicken do you want? And I said, get me the most beautiful chicken you can find. And then the next day she showed up with pictures of this particular chicken. And I went, Jesus Christ, that is a beautiful chicken. So she found it. And then comedy happened in real life. And then I fell in love. Right. But there is a scene in the show, and I am ruining it, but there is a scene in that particular episode where the, they have a falling out, him and the chicken. And he says, I can't, uh, it's Pat uh, Thornton playing the part. He says, I can't stay mad at you. And then he picks her up, he takes her into the bedroom, and he closes the door. <laughs> and I really, honestly, did not think that would make it on TV, but there it is, folks. So, <laughs> so thank you, Rogers and Sydney. Thank you, Rogers, oh, yeah. for making yeah. Canadian comedy possible. Yeah. So why don't we watch the first episode? Sure. So then, then we can talk about the process, but I think everybody probably wants to see one. So we're going to show the first one. I will just say one thing about it before we go, that the, the concept of the top hat came from Jan Carwana. Top hat. Jan, remember. Okay, thank you guys. Wow, what a great pilot. Thank you. That was fantastic. Yeah, that was pretty great. Um, so the question that first comes to mind is how different was that, what we just saw, than the first pilot script you guys wrote before you got the green light? Not very different at all. It was very, very close. There's a few. There were actually, we wrote long, so there were a few sketches that fell out as we went, uh, as we, our first script was probably 45 pages or something. It was too long. But um, no, everything, pretty much everything that's in there was in the pilot. That's fantastic. But it's funny how uh, you write something and you you see it in your head and sometimes then you see it on screen and you're like, oh my God, that's exactly the way I imagined it. Or sometimes you go, did I write that? You, well, I, I would imagine maybe it's a little hard to lose. You might lose track when you have that many writers in the room and you're throwing ideas back and forth exactly what part is yours, what part is oh, yeah. his when, or hers. Uh, or... When I was just watching it now, I was remembering the opening scene where it's the gunfight. Uh, and then goes to the relationship scene in the apartment. Um, uh, Alistair Forbes had the first pass on that, and Dan wrote stuff in it. I've got jokes in it. I don't know, Jan, you probably have a joke. I don't know. But it, it I, 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 I remember what everybody said in the room, said, what if this happened? Or they wrote some joke to add in. And So it was, it's very much a group effort. Okay, so let's pick up uh, where we left off just before we watched the episode. So you'd written the pilot. You've got the green light now to, to do six episodes. Yes, that's right. So five more. So five more. Mm-hmm. at that point, I guess you're staffing up. You're uh, potentially hiring cast. I know some of your cast are your writers too. So you've got the green light. What's your, what was your next step at that point? Uh, yeah, then we, did, then we did say, okay, well, we want a little bit of a bigger room. Uh, so we brought in uh, other people to help us out. Usually uh, what we did was uh, two at a time for a couple of weeks each. And so um, uh, Alice Moran, who you saw as the cop, and as Georgette, the meth girl who doesn't speak, Mm -hmm. she was in writing with us. Kevin Vidal, uh, who in this episode uh, was Daryl with the fro and the mustache and stuff. And Handy Hank, he he came in for a couple of weeks. Um, 
and plus others. Uh, so we, we did have a number of people come through and, and help us out. Right. So how big was your room then at any one given time? Actually, seven people. Seven, because seven the, writers. The five of, yeah, the five of us would, would be there the whole time. Uh, Gary and Dan, obviously, myself, Alistair and Kathleen. And then, uh, and then cycling through would be two writers every couple of weeks. Right. Okay. So you kept the, obviously the same team then that wrote the pilot with you. Yes. Yeah, so and then just added two. We more. just added more uh, right. people, and uh, uh, yeah, so that we would have more different ideas um, coming from you know different experience, but all keeping in mind this idea of an urban neighborhood uh, and the kinds of characters that were in it. And I think it was hard with the first six because. Um, when when we went back, we just uh, we 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 were writing we we're writing seven more for the second half of the first season. We had something to show people to say, okay, guys, uh, take a look at this. This is kind of the feel we're going for. This is how the show looks, and they could watch kind of a rough cut of the show or read scripts and see what was getting in. But when we had written the pilot for guest writers to come in, they had a very tricky job because how do you explain this show where you're like, well. Um, there's this hole, and then there's a bunch of ponies, and then there's this guy. And so the fact that the guest writers came in must have been a very daunting task to come in and yeah, do Yeah, but we try to make it fun for them. No, Gary, you're <laughs> kind of a dink. Like, <laughs> wow. No, it's no. really fun in the room. It's super fun in the room. Right. Okay, so what was the gap between writing the pilot? So you had your team together to write the pilot, and obviously then that sort of went, went in executive read it. What was the gap between that and getting the green light and bringing everyone back? We did the two weeks in February and then we went back in like June? Uh, Yeah, something like that. May or June. Uh, So that the end of the writing period overlapped with the beginning of production. Just sort of, just overlapped a little bit with it. But we weren't writing. We were still writing and trying to improve the scripts right up to the time you're shooting but we weren't doing the major writing at the same time as shooting like you were mostly punching up uh, the the existing scripts when we were in winnipeg when i was on corner gas we started writing scripts uh in the spring and then by the time we started um we were only on like episode four or five when we were then moved to saskatchewan to write the rest of the show while the show was shooting but we didn't do that in this case right okay well so take us into the room then you've gotten the green light you have one pilot script written you have sorry the the pilot script written Mm -hmm. you've got an order for i guess five more at that point you've got your team of five and you're going to bring in two more people what how how do you how are you starting do you have because obviously there's reoccurring characters there's reoccurring themes well every day starts with at least one game we play games we just—it's a thing I do. It's a thing I do. I do, and I've done it now for several years on different shows. It's but the best part of the day. I start. I start the show. The start the day with a game, and uh, um, <laughs> my my main game now is something called What's in the Box, and uh, there's a couple of uh, components to the game. One is when it's your turn with the box. Each day, it's a different person's turn. They have to sing a song. They have to sing the What's in the Box song. How, do, how does that day. song go? It's different it's every different day. Every you, day. Have to make it up. you have to make it up. But the best, the best part of what? So basically, what's in the box is you bring a thing, you put it in a box, and everybody has to guess what's in the box. It's a very um, difficult. Game. But the best, the best part of the song is like when we first started. My favorite song was Kathleen's song, which was basically like, 
What's in the box? I don't know. What's in the box? Okay, let's guess what's in the box. But then everybody kind of started up and upping the ante oh, on the songs. Like Kevin, when Kevin Vidal was in, he like fully went into a studio and recorded backing tracks to come in and sing the song. So it really like it really gets everybody motivated. Yeah. yeah. So then, so then you start the day. People are guessing what's in the box. We're gonna talk about what's in the box probably right. like for a long yeah, time. Yeah, and and we have a point system, and then after say two weeks, uh, a prize is awarded that nobody wants. But uh, the more the more good guesses you had, the more points you got, whatever. Um, but yeah, so, uh, and then we started to play this last round, we started to play, um, a, a virgin, uh, yeah, the movie game, which is essentially, um, uh, Balderdash where, uh, you would find, you would go online somewhere and find a movie title. And, uh, if, if no one else in the room had seen the movie or knew what it was, then everybody got a, a recipe card and wrote the, uh, synopsis of the movie, the sort of TV guide synopsis of the movie. And then you would try to pick. Uh, which one was the real synopsis of the film? Right. But I so, think we have like we have a lot of good ideas for new movies. Yeah, we got <laughs> if a lot. Nothing else. But this, you're going to see a lot of new movies coming from the Sunnyside. And then we group. started drawing. Then the drawing. <laughs> then came the drawing really started. Good. And then we started to do drawings of celebrities and then uh, putting them up on the wall. And everybody, the idea was you had to guess who what the drawing was. And I have a background in graphics, so I always yeah, took. Gary would draw with his feet. I drew with either my left hand or my feet, but. Um, <laughs> I know it sounds dumb, and I'd post these on Facebook, and everybody would say, don't you guys do any work? Like, how come you're not working? It looks like you're having too much fun. But what it does is actually it gets people's minds going, gets them thinking, it gets them talking, and then we might go right from that to talking about ideas and uh, what the characters are in the neighborhood and what's going on, and it just warms everybody up at the start of the day. And actually, just to say one more thing about the drawing game, I thought that was actually a really good idea because uh, I've even I've kept doing it at home. Number one, my drawings gotten way better. Way better. They're really excellent. M- mine were t- mine were terrible at the beginning, but this, the second thing is, as a writer, you use like you use a certain part of your brain. Like you you focus on a certain thing and you come up with sketches, and the same part of your brain is always going. But to challenge yourself to do something different like to start the day that way i found it was much more creative and my juices got flowing a lot faster when we were playing that drawing game even the balderdash game in a different way but yeah, yeah but that's so right i highly recommend it so we just played like one round of the movie thing and then we carry on so we weren't just fooling around all day right <laughs> but just part it of did, the day it's just part oh, of the day just the beginning gets just to get us going and have some fun and that's the thing about writing comedy i believe is that the comedy's better written when people are loose and having fun and I don't know, did you guys see Whiplash? Did everybody see Whiplash? Yeah, uh, you know, like, to me, like, that whole idea of slapping somebody and saying, not my tempo, not my tempo. I can't imagine a, a writer's room where somebody say, no, that's not a funny joke. You know, write another joke. Like, this isn't going to... I really think there should be joy in art, whatever it is you're doing. So we try to make it fun. Right. So obviously, the interesting thing I think about this show, apart from the violence, uh, is that it's kind of halfway between a sketch show, an improv show, and a scripted comedy series. I mean, the closest thing that comes to mind is Portlandia, uh, to me, which is another great show. Uh, and obviously, there's there's some similarities there. But so, how far ahead are you working out the characters you want to re- you want to see again, uh, storylines over the course of the season? Because there isn't there's an arc. There's yeah. an arc that sort of continues through the yeah. show. It's it's funny actually because um, certain certain characters start to emerge in the in the writing. But I think, for instance, uh, like with Pat's mayor character, we had this one tiny thing for for Pat to do. Um, Pat was the hot yoga guy and the the Billy the Bum, 
he had this one tiny thing to do in uh, in one sketch. We loved the character so much, it made us laugh every time we talked about it, that he came back in episode six. And then now in the next seven, he's like a, a huge part of the show now. Yeah. It just, it just emerges. One of the things is people will write something and we'll say, Dan and I will say, that's really funny. Just that piece is really funny. But I also think that character has legs. Let's see more of that character. And in some cases... Uh, we had a harder time finding stuff again for that for the character that we like, but a lot of them it just they it just they just came out. People were inspired to write for a character, so we'd just be looking at more and more sketches with that with that person in them. Uh, with the we knew that we wanted to have a real range of people in Sunnyside. So you have the meth girls that are living in the alley. You have a couple that's trying to have sex. You have the yuppie couple that has a baby. Like, you have a lot of different kinds of people. And so, like, for the couple, for Graham and Carla, uh, and poor Graham, um, but um, I just brought in a lot of things about my own marriage. Learn a lot uh, about Gary <laughs> right, wow. in the room. And, and that became a lot of the Graham and Carla sketches, although I swear my wife is not a lesbian. But, um, you know, who knows? I don't really know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so what people do is they bring in their own experience and they exaggerate it or whatever, and it yeah. becomes Sunnyside. Like for instance, the the block party thing in the in our uh, development period, I was like, uh, oh, this weird thing happened to me on my street. My street really goes out all out for Halloween. So one Halloween, I was walking to work at night, and uh, I saw this caution tape all around this house. So I walked towards it, and I was like, oh, what's going on in here? Is somebody doing, like, a spooky house or something? Like, no, that's actual police tape. I should keep walking. And it was like, oh, wow. So, and then that, we, you know, we, I threw that out, and that, that evolved into the street party. So it really is about bringing your own experiences to the room. Right. So, okay. So then what you, I guess uh, what you're saying kind of is that there, there wasn't actually too much of an envisioned arc at the start of the writing process. No. No. Like, you didn't know what characters you wanted to see again. You just wanted, this came, sort of came out naturally. I mean, did you know you wanted to repeat Oh yeah, we knew we stuff. wanted to repeat characters, right. and and you know once uh, like Kathleen brought in the first Meth Girls uh, story, and it's like wow, those are great um, characters. So we immediately wanted to write more stuff for them. And Billy the Bum, who you saw meet his death there, he's back in the next episode. Right? <laughs> Nobody um, ever dies in Sunnyside. No, so it's weird. We're a weird combination. If you want to get picky about it, because we have um, continuity. To a degree, like we follow, we follow these different things with Graham and Carla through the six episodes, um, and there's certain things that develop throughout the episodes. We tease certain things through the episodes that come up in the last one, but we kill people all the time, and then they show up in the next one. So, the, be- the best thing about continuity on this show, I think that was said. I think Dan said it. He said, "Yeah, you know what? We we really try our best, but if something uh, if something doesn't make sense, it's magic. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's just right. like, magic it's magic. You have this exactly. catch-all like neighborhood. Yeah. I mean, we have the hole where the the answers questions and stuff, and and we just had this hole and answering questions, and then the network was really keen that we try to explain it. So we the only explanation we would give was, well, the neighborhood doesn't have Wi-Fi, so they have the hole. However, you will see throughout." The six episodes, you'll see people on their computers. Clearly, they, they, <laughs> the, you know, the, guy, using their the guy was on his phone at He's the He's on wall. his phone. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, so there's really, don't look for consistency in this thing, really. It's, we're not that smart. 
Okay, so you're in the room. Are writers pitching ideas? Are they just coming in? Are they acting out? Sort of saying like, I, I, I had this great idea for a uh, for sketch last night. This is what I'm thinking. Is it kind of a communal, just spitballing ideas? We do a certain amount of that. We tell, uh, say, you know, what what are you guys thinking about? And then people will say a bunch of stuff, and Dan or I will probably say yes or no. Uh, but usually we just say yes, go ahead, pursue the idea. And then people write. And uh, so we have... The the room goes between having times where people are all talking to having quiet times where people are writing. So all right, so are people leaving to write? Or are they staying in the no, room they're generally just, the and just sort of kicking generally. around? Yeah, yeah. pretty much in the same room. We have a couple extra rooms that people can write in as well right. if they want to be by themselves. And the, occasionally people will break off in twos to write something. And, right. Yeah. And you said uh, you've got, obviously, you were, you were writing most of the episodes before you even started shooting, right? So yes. did you have all six done before the first day? Uh, we had a draft of all six, yeah. Right. So are, at that point, obviously, you, you've got the room. You're building up these episodes. Are you, are you moving things around maybe through All episodes? Or are you? Uh, yeah, not so much uh, between episodes, but moving sketches in and out. We, have, we had hundreds of sketches. So, um, you know. I think we're single-handedly keeping the index card business. Yeah, go right. Right. So, so we had lots of sketches. And if uh, something wasn't feeling right, we'd often read, uh, we'd read scripts as well quite often, uh, either just reading individual sketches or reading what we would call a script. And then some stuff we weren't as keen on when we read it again, and we'd sit, drop stuff out and put other things in. So and things were sometimes involved. a sketch is really funny, too, and it makes everybody in the room laugh, and you really love the sketch, and you really fall in love with it, whether you wrote it or not. And then you put it in an episode, and you just kind of go like, ah, oh, damn it, this, this doesn't fit in. It doesn't fit in with no, the episode. And we have to watch so out. We have too much of one kind of thing. Right. So, we, you know, in this episode, there's some relationship stuff. There's some really weird things that... Um, you know, you, if if you have like Shaitan, uh, if he's prominent in the episode, then you maybe don't want so much of some other kind of uh, devilish thing in it. And so we're trying to uh, fit the pieces together in a way that makes for uh, the half hour go by quickly. And you learn really quickly not to take any of it personally, because you could be very heavy as a writer. You could be very heavy in one episode, and then all of a sudden. You know, you look at the board the next day and you're just out completely of the episode. Right. So you just learn to go like, oh, well, I guess it didn't fit in. It'll go in somewhere else or next yeah. season or whatever. It's a group effort. And, yeah. And we uh, rise and fall together. So you have a writer then coming back. They've written a sketch. Are they performing it? Are you just reading it together? Do you, do you assign it to – because I know a lot of showrunners – like to sort of sometimes read through the script and they sign voices and we'll, you're yeah, we read do a read through read in the room. Every day. And yeah. Yeah, but I usually, uh, Dan and I will usually let the writer <clears throat> cast it because they, they, especially now, they know the cast and they'll say, well, I'm seeing Pat in this role or I'm seeing Kevin in this role. And so um, we read it with that in mind. And, uh, you know, if Kevin's in the room, then he's going to read all the Kevin stuff. And if Kathleen is always in the room, so she reads all her stuff. And uh, Jan and Alistair, myself, Dan, we all have acting backgrounds as well. So we're when we do a read, we're trying to perform it uh, and give the sketch its, its due. You know? And the reads are always r really fun for that reason, because you don't have people just like looking down at the script and reading. Like you have people interacting and reading together. And, and it's always really fun and really funny. And even if your sketch is a, a dud, um, you know that the person reading it is going to just give it 110% anyway. So the scripts yeah. are always a little bit... 
Because as you were saying, Gary, when you were talking about scripts going to the network, oftentimes comedy is hard to, to come off the page because especially with someone like Pat, you just know, like, for instance, hot yoga. Like, that was one of the things that we wrote very early in development. And I can't remember, I, I don't know if it was network or someone just went like, but it's just somebody saying it's really hot uh, it's over a, and yeah. over. Like, what's the point? And then you go, well, but, but you have to imagine Pat doing it. Like, and, and that's really hard. So when you hear those things right. come alive in the room, it's much better. So there's some sketches like that where we just had to say to the network, you've got to trust us on this. It's going to be funny. I know it doesn't read particularly funny for someone to say it's really hot several times. But... In fact, it was funny, I think. Because they hadn't, obviously, they hadn't seen anything by that point because you didn't shoot the pilot no. at that point. So no. they'd obviously, I'm sure, met the cast or okayed they knew the, the cast. Ca- yes, they, knew they, the they cast. approved the cast and they were familiar with the cast. Yeah, so. Pat Thornton's been in a number of other things. Yes, exactly. You know, he's hilarious. Yeah, um, uh, the, we, we knew right from the beginning that, uh, or it was our desire from the beginning at least, that uh, Pat and Kathleen would anchor the cast. Right. Now, obviously, you have some writers and you have some writer-actors. How did yeah. that did that change anything? Did it influence the room at all, or did it have no effect at all? It was just everyone was a writer in the room, and some of those writers were actors later on. I don't think it really... I, I mean, I think the only... For me, I don't know about you, Gary, but I think that only really came into play when, um, when, when we were doing the read. However... Um, uh, like I know Kathleen and Alistair and myself both have exten- uh, all have extensive backgrounds in comedy, in like pre- live comedy, sketch and improv. And I think that was beneficial to this show because oh, yeah. you kind of, you just know the, the makeup of a sketch, you know the mechanics of how things n- might need to work. Well, that's where Dan and I came from as well. So it's all, it's all coming from that same place. Right. Now, what about improvisation? I mean, obviously you have some improvisers on your cast how much did that change during shooting like how much did the scripts change from the page to the screen through editing through through the final mix not very much <laughs> there there were the odd there was the odd improvised line um usually at the top or the bottom of a scene and uh or maybe somebody would throw a line in and sometimes we kept them but um often you know if you had the script in front of you for that episode it would be very very close I think, too, because the, the shooting time is, is very tight, it, the, there's not a lot of luxury to say, great, let's do, like, a half hour of free play. Right. <laughs> like uh, no, not, we have to keep And moving. shooting on location, you just got to keep moving. And yeah. pro- I, w- I would assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, most of the improv improvisation from the actors and stuff would come in the room instead because so much of your cast was, was there in the room. Yeah, we would, yeah, there would, there would be... We, the thing is, by the time we got to the set, we'd explored a lot of them, a lot of the jokes and possibilities, so that when... Sometimes an actor would give us a line on set. It's like, well, without them knowing it, we had already passed over that line a month right. ago. <laughs> so, and, and the other thing is they can't, especially the first uh, six episodes, they can't see what we're doing. They can read the script, but they don't quite understand that right after the cops, we're going over to this other thing. And we're, we want a sharp button on that. We don't really want meandering dialogue at the end going back and forth. Because improv people, myself included, as long as the lights are up, we'll just keep talking. Right. And uh, so in the case of a couple of our performers, we had to say, no, you know what? It's okay that you don't keep talking. Just We just want to see your face. We want to see your reaction. And we're going to cut there because that connects with this other thing we're doing. Right. So some of the improv, we actually had to rein in a little bit. And it, oh, go on. And, and I think a lot of the, uh, the fun improv stuff for us, too, um, when Gary and Dan were in boring pre-production meetings, Kathleen and Alistair and I got to go through and punch up the script. 
and it honestly it would take us hours because we would just sit there going what about this what about this what about this and and it was so fun because you'd just come up with a million jokes and then Dan and I would come in and go nope no no thank you put that joke back right so uh, and again, when you obviously the writer brings the script in the room and you're doing that read through, you were just saying that acting out, people are punching it up, I'm sure, during that process. Yeah. Right? Like the whole room is contributing to that sketch, and then that writer will probably go off and incorporate that again. Into yeah, or, or a lot of the rewriting Dan and I did, a lot of it was, you know, we would hear the jokes and they would pitch us jokes. Or we would think of something, and then the one the one thing is the 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 show. Nobody sat down to write. I'm going to sit down and write episode three. Nobody did that. We were all writing pieces all the time, and right. then and then Dan and I would assemble the pieces into a whole, and and that's when a lot of the, the rewriting that Dan and I did was to connect it all up. And sometimes characters would change. Like we'd have we'd have somebody in mind for one scene, and then we decide that's not good because now we have that same person playing something else, and you know, it, we had to, to move take a lot around. of logistics into consideration on a show like this as well. Yeah. So, so would you say then it was kind of like the room was creating a lot of great sketches, and then the two of you would take that and sort of assemble those puzzle pieces into yeah. like sort of one episode, and then fill in all the connective tissue sort of between. That's yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, right. Okay, so you, you're at the pro point now where you've got you know your five or six episodes. Scripts are looking good. Uh, you know your budget, I would assume, at this point, so you know what your shooting days are and what you can do. Are you are you adjusting the scripts at this point for? What you can, I mean, obviously, you shot in Winnipeg. Was that a, was that yeah, a decision early on? Or? Yes, Winnipeg came up pretty early because they had uh, attractive uh, tax credits and all that stuff. I don't understand. And, uh, and also, another CN Tower, obviously. Well, which was that great. was a they little. Built that. They yeah, built that, that was just for They put that up for us. A little digital effect there. Um, yeah. So yeah, Winnipeg uh, came up early because it was we saw it as a way of being able to do the show. Uh, and uh, there were adjustments. You know, there were times where people said you can't afford this and so we had to make changes but for the most part we got we got a lot of what we wanted i mean that street party scene at the end i think is uh uh pretty cool we got a lot of stuff in there that we wanted and uh, there's a lot of extras and for me uh, uh compared to other shows i've worked on i've been pretty happy with what we've been able to get budget wise yeah well it looks to me like it's the kind of show where i sort of feel that Doubling the budget, it, it wouldn't necessarily be that. It wouldn't be twice as good. It looks like you had what you needed. Yeah, there could be more on. money for the showrunner. Yeah, well, that of course, kind of yeah. thing. Of course, there's there's room to grow there. Right. Um, so you're you're shooting out in Vancouver. Are you bring the whole? Sorry, in uh, Winnipeg. Are you yes. bringing the crew? Are the writers coming with you? Or are they on set? Uh, well, Alistair and Jan came out with right. us. So um, and Kathleen, of course, was there, but she. She didn't write so much once we got there. She because gets kind of busy. She gets kind of busy. You might have right. seen her on camera through most of the show. So uh, she doesn't really write so much once we're in production. But we did bring Jan and Alistair out, yeah. All right, and you're not actually adjusting. You were saying much on the day. Like, are you, So you're watching the sketch. You're doing rehearsals, I would assume, before you go. Yeah, we, do, yeah, we yeah. rehearse the scene before we shoot it. But and, and there's some stuff that comes up while we're shooting, and we find that something's not working because we're not shooting it quite exactly the way we imagined it or some line that seemed to work great when we weren't in this location no longer makes sense. That kind of thing certainly happens, so you adjust. Uh, so you're, so, but not much rewriting on the day? No, or? not so much, no. We, we do come up with stuff uh, on the, at the time. If we feel like some take is not working, we do it, make adjustments, yeah. Right. Did you block shoot the series? Uh, we shot two episodes at a time. Right. For how many days? Oh, I don't. What was it? Was it four yeah. days? Four days for t- two? I don't know. Shane, how many yeah. days was it? 
Four days each. Four days yeah, each. Four so days four. each. So eight days. That gives you two episodes. Right. And how'd that yeah. feel? Was that a, did you feel like you had Well, you always time want or, more, yeah. but, yeah, but uh, no, it, it, it was fine. I think it was fine. And there were times where, because we shot so much on location, cause I think the show looks cool because we shot so much stuff outside, but that's actually really hard <laughs> to do. The we're only, really lucky with that Winnipeg weather. Yeah. The only thing that was shot in studio in that episode was the bleeding wall scenes. Right. That was the only thing that was shot in a studio. Everything else was on location, and a lot of it was outside. Which I think is unusual, I mean, for a lot of Canadian shows. I mean, usually you have, you know, a couple day, you have a couple location days, and everything else is done yeah, in studio and, on all your sets. And we started to find out that Winnipeg in September gets really cold at night. So it, uh, some of the later episodes, especially, we were freezing when we were shooting. So, season two. Well, we're calling it part two, season part one, two. but yeah. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, sure. I'm not afraid. <laughs> so you're coming back, which is great. Yes, we're very excited about that. Are we going to see some of the same characters coming back, some of the same locations? Are you shooting the same place? What's, what's yeah, new? You'll what's... see uh, um, a lot of the same characters. You'll see some new characters. You'll see uh, the same, um, you know, it's still going to be the dark roast and the hole and uh, some of these characters, like the meth girls, we go further into their stories. And, yeah, so there's lots of exciting stuff. We've got seven uh, new scripts now, and we're just going to go shoot in about um, May. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. We're really excited about it. And also Norm MacDonald, which I Norm guess Norm MacDonald, the voice of the whole. Is he, is Literally he back? phoning it in. Phones Literally it phoning in. it in. Yes. Didn't even show up once. No, I have yet to meet him. But, uh, Did I, you meet him over the phone? I've met him over the phone. But uh, he he knows Dan from uh, back in the day when Norm used to do stand up in Toronto. But I had not met him back then. But uh, he's a very nice guy, and you know we just hooked up with him in a uh, recording studio in Santa Monica, and he's able to do all of his stuff in about an hour for the whole season. For the whole season, that's great. It's amazing. <laughs> but uh, but it's Norm of... McDonald, right? So he's got a great voice, and I don't know what's the, going on with the hole here. But... The best is in the reads when you're reading the hole, you always get Gary to I do read the, the hole, hole. because I, Gary does the Norm McDonald I voice. Do my Norm McDonald voice. So that's, uh, yeah. Well, well, yeah. I was already doing it. I don't want to. It's very subtle. It's very subtle. It's a subtle voice here, but I don't understand. It's sort of half Norm Macdonald, half Groucho. I don't know, but anyway. And how about the response? Uh, well, the response has been terrific. Uh, uh, I know from uh, uh, our peers in the comedy world, everybody's trying to get a job on the show, uh, and um, the the press, as you said, was. Uh, Great. And the only thing for us is we want more people to watch it. Um, we did uh, run up to a bit of a roadblock because we were on uh, Thursday nights at 8, opposite uh, show called, I don't know if you've heard of it, The Big Bang Theory. It's the it's by far the number one show in Canada. It has probably twice the number of viewers of Hockey Night in Canada. So we got uh, put up against them, and that's a pretty rough spot. We so. fought the good fight, though. Yeah, and, and, and I'm, I'm really pleased... Uh, that with the response, but we we just we really need to get more viewers. I hope we get more viewers next time around. So before we go to Q and A and ask uh, for questions, I oh just have sort of one last thing. So what? There must have been some stuff that you, uh, apart from the chicken sketch, that you really wanted to do, like those sketches that you're like, oh, this would be great, but we just can't do it because you know the network's not going to let us do it. We don't have the money or the time. Were there anything? Was there anything that was left on the floor that you were like, oh, I wish I just that would have been that would have killed if we didn't yeah, do and that. And those are all in season two. <laughs> They're all coming. Hey, up. that's great. <laughs> now there are a few things that fell by the wayside, but yeah, we're. Uh, 
or some of them are coming back. We're going to do them. We couldn't quite logistically do them the first time around, and we're going to give them a kick at the can this time. So now we're pretty pleased at that. There's, the, what the network generally objects to is, is they're more likely to object to a particular joke than to a scene so right. much. So um, some of the jokes that we wrote, um, we're trying to find the dark side of a, a lot of sunny side, and there's some jokes that uh, they just did not want us to do. <laughs> so uh, that kind of thing happens. And uh, why Sunnyside? Why why not Etobicoke? Um, Parkdale? Or? What, the first name for it was Prosperity Heights. We had made up that name. Um, we wanted something that sounded like a real place, and Sunnyside was a real place in Toronto, mm-hmm. and there's still a Sunnyside Street in Toronto, and it's very close to Parkdale. And we thought it was an ironic kind of title because what we're doing is not particularly sunny. And I always wanted to do a show that had a sign, that had a neighborhood sign that went across the street. So my dream has come true. So dr- dreams come true. Yes, that's amazing. Has. Yep. And that's going to be back, too. Yeah, the sign will be back, yes. Great. Okay. Episode. Well, we're going to open it up for questions to the floor now. I think we're going to have some microphones. Uh, some wonderful people here from TIFF are going to come around just because we're recording this for the podcast. Wow. I should have been holding this closer all night. Um, fantastic. Hello. Hello. Simon, you should have a radio show. Oh, thank yeah, you. Isn't his voice great? I know. Wow. Thank, thank hi, you. Hi, Gary. Hi, Jen. Hi. Um, if, you need a, if you need another manhole that maybe comes out of radio, I'm available. I'm writing it in. I'm writing it in as we speak. Um, I'm wondering if you can talk a bit about how you thought of it in terms of episodes versus sketches that you put into episodes. Because I know you talk about the pony episode and the dog episode, but did you have a thematic structure for each episode or was it... Let's see what we've got and shake it up and see what fits together. No, we, we wanted to um, we wanted to have uh, each show has several runners in it. So you know we came back to Graham and Carla several times with the bleeding wall there, and we saw them at the end with the mattress. Uh, we called that show the Top Hat because that was our first main runner that we decided to attach to it. And each episode has. It's not so much thematic. It's not a theme that goes through all the sketches, but there's something happening in Sunnyside in each episode that tends to affect everyone. So in one episode, the moon explodes in the first scene, and then throughout the episode, people get hit with moon rocks. Uh, uh, so then, And there's a, another one, which was uh, Jan's idea, where we find out that Sunnyside is overrun with feral ponies. And... Um, and so like the ponies come, cute, come super cute. Yeah, so and, cute. And and there's things like that that we are keeping in as well. There's also clowns that live in the neighborhood. It's not so evident in this episode, but in the others, you're always seeing clowns in the background. It's never explained. It doesn't come up until the last uh, of the six episodes. And I, I think with the runners too, they they took on one of of two forms, uh, more of a narrative storyline. So if you had a longer sketch, if you wrote a sketch that was say five pages as opposed to two or three. And it was really great. Gary and Dan might say, "Great, we're going to break this up into three pieces." With something like the ponies, it wasn't that wasn't so much narrative as it was. Oh, this is the episode where we kind of explain what happens with the ponies. So you see them throughout. You see maybe a little a little blackout uh, with the ponies, and then at the end you kind of get a wrap up on that. So when you like, we would write those two kind of those two kinds of runners. And then Gary and Dan, I always thought, did a great job of just weaving it all together. Because I think when I, when I hear things about the show from my friends and comedy people, they say, I love how the show just goes from thing to thing to thing. And I think that's where a ton of the magic happens. We try to pull... So, so on our board, we'll have 
in this latest round, we had the seven episodes put up, and we'd say, okay, this episode we're calling such and such, whatever, the moon explodes, because that's going to be, that runner is going to be there for sure. And then we start to put stuff in that complements it and doesn't fight it or could be connected to it in some way. So do those runners emerge naturally again during the process, or were you, did you have an idea? You're like, oh, it would be great to do this episode. I just I thought it would be hilarious to have ponies just tying everything together. Yeah, we, have, or... we, we have days where in the writer's room where we say, well, we feel like we've got a lot of sketches right now, but we, you know, we have seven episodes to do, and we only have three big runners we really like. So let's just have a day where we talk about runners and people will pitch ideas and we talk and talk and talk and some people will write some things and, and then that's how we, we get them. Because it was actually it was one of my favorite parts of the show, of the series, was that the episodes were tied together, that you see things come back or reoccur, yeah. the moon would explode, and eventually that kind of storyline is resolved in a way. I won't spoil yeah. that how, but... Yeah, uh, well, and, and those things that happen in, that, in those episodes, like the ponies, the ponies are not leaving Sunnyside uh, we you will see ponies. They're part of the neighborhood, so they will show up again in in subsequent episodes. So, and it felt like it gave a lot of the sketches a little more life, right? Because you have a sketch that's that you're watching, and then there's an element that comes in from something previous. This callback. Yeah, or, it's uh, it's kind of an Easter egg for people who are watching the whole show, watching the whole series. So, if you watch the episode about the ponies and really like it, in a later episode, you just might see ponies in an alley eating garbage. And then the camera just moves past that to something. You go, what the hell? If you've never seen the show before, you go, what the hell were those ponies doing there? But if you had seen the show, then you go, oh, yeah, of course. There's ponies living there. So it's, it's, it's funny either way. I you hope know, so. And it makes yeah. the neighborhood alive. Yeah. It makes the neighborhood. You want it to be, feel like a real place. And also ponies. And ponies. Come on. They're so cute. Did, were you did, did there on set? answer your question? They're like little dogs. Yes. Thank oh, you. Okay, good. Great. Uh, answered the question about the, uh, the drawings on Facebook. Oh, <laughs> Okay. okay, other uh, other questions for Oh, here we go. Uh when we get up here and then we'll come and then we'll come down. As the mic moves over. Thank you. I'd like to thank you guys for uh doing this today. Thank and you. Uh, I have a question for Jan. Uh you said you sent in a packet cuz you had to even though uh, Gary wanted you. I was just wondering like did your packet consist of all sketch or was it a mix of stuff? And when you make a packet uh, for a show, do you customize what you're sending in for the show, or do you pick of what you've already made and send it? It's a it's a mixture of everything that you've said. Uh, the pr- the package for this particular show, um, I, I had to do quickly. <laughs> so I did use some things um, that I had written from uh, previous uh, previous things. I mean, I was very lucky because Gary was familiar with my work from That's So Weird, but that's that's a youth sketch show, so I couldn't use anything really from that from that. Um, and not really knowing what the show is about. It's hard to custom make a package for that. Um, so I used a couple of things uh, from from previous writing experiences, and then I wrote some things, uh, some original things, that I thought would fit into what the kind of synopsis, the very brief synopsis of the show I received was. Um, so, yeah, it's a combination. I, I just put in things that I thought were straight up funny that I really liked. I put in things that I thought would fit the show. And I tried, and I, I do this with, with most of the packages I write, I tried to just show a variety of things. Um, unless something is very specialized and they say we want this specifically, I think showing yourself as prolific or versatile works to your benefit. I mean, I don't know if that's 100% true with everybody, but in this case it was. And everybody recognized Jan as the spike foot lady in the show? Yes. Good, okay. 
who doesn't know how to make hollandaise. Still don't. Yeah. Uh, that answer was that. Yeah, perfect. Let's Thank just you. keep going on that. Actually, just a step further. So, what do you what do you look for in material? Because I mean, I, I know we have a lot of members. We have members in the audience. We also have people who want to break into comedy, break into writing. Uh, I think it's you know it's a question one of the we things ask I, one of the things I look for is it depends on the show what the show you're doing is, but you're looking for something that will contribute to the show. It doesn't have to be written exactly for your show, but it has to be in the ballpark. So you would be look I'd be looking for for this show uh character based material that has a weird element that surprises you and uh, is is not typical. Uh, it, when I was uh writing on twenty two minutes, I wouldn't submit that kind of material there. I would submit topical political material. When I wrote for Corner Gas I had a um I had a My Name is Earl spec script because I thought My Name is Earl is kind of in the ballpark of Corner Gas. It's not exactly Corner Gas, but they get it. And that helped me there. So, And then did you uh, meet with the number of writers? Did you sort of read people and then bring people in Yeah, I, you know, for a meeting first? Yeah, I uh, well, you know, being part of the sort of comedy community, I like to keep up with uh, a lot of the people that are performing and writing and putting original stuff on stage. And I go to the shows, and I I improvise myself, I perform myself, so I know a lot of these people, and so uh, people who I think this is uh, like I said, this is how I met Jan. I saw her on stage first and thought she was very inventive uh, improviser, and uh, very funny. And although improv is not writing exactly, uh, there is something about you know the way the brain works coming up with stuff in the moment. Um, and the people who are very good at that are often uh, good writers as well. Not always, but often they are. And uh, so, you know, for me, the invitation would come. I would be inviting people to submit stuff to me. And and this was the case with That's So Weird as well. I there, There's a number of writers, a uh, number of people there that I didn't know them uh, personally at all, but I sort of found them through their work. So I, I know, you know, a lot of people are writers, and they they might be writing brilliant things at home, but what I'm... What I've looked at a lot of the times is is what are people writing for themselves and putting on stage and getting a reaction to because I think that that audience reaction is very valuable to a writer's uh, ear for comedy. Yeah, of course. I think we had a question down here, just in the second row. Oh, here we go. Decide. Hi. Um, my question is: uh, so you're in a room and you're you have a a joke kind of laid out or a, a sketch kind of laid out. And then you keep working it, and you keep working it, and you keep working it. And how do you tell the difference between this joke needs to needs work, or this joke is we've just heard it so much, we're just bored with it, and we're changing it for the sake of changing it? Gary just tells you. <laughs> so you just have to have a Gary. Yeah, well, you yeah. know, Dan and I have heard every joke by this time. Uh, so we um, there's lots of times where someone will write a sketch, and... It'll might even everybody in the room might laugh, but w- Dan and I will look at each other and go, "Yeah, I know this. That's from the third season of Saturday Night Live. This person never saw that show, but they just came up with the same thing we've already seen. So you know, we pass on it. I mean, that that happens all the time. We're and in terms of rewrites too, like sometimes, uh, sometimes you write a sketch fast, and you go, "You know what? I'm happy with this." And sometimes you labor over a sketch for hours, days. It keeps you up at night sometimes going, like, why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? And um, sometimes you just have to go, forget it. 
and uh, volume, and right? On. Volume. Yeah, you just write volume. You just keep writing until you like something, and then you hone that. And that's the nice thing about being in the room is that everybody's going to pitch you more jokes, and everybody's just out to make everyone else's work better. Yeah, everybody writes a lot, and then of that, lots of stuff they write. Only a small percentage makes its way into the show, but that's okay. Yeah, it's okay that if you if you spent a day. Uh, or say you spent a week and you wrote seven sketches and some of them you agonized and labored over, but only one of them actually went forward. That's okay. Uh, we don't expect, you know, because we have five other people writing. Probably. Actually, Gary and Dan would tell us a lot, just write less. Like, don't feel you have to put, because I don't, I don't know why, but we just would crank stuff out. Yeah, and sometimes it was And it was not bad. good. But you'd be like, well, let's see. Let's see if it flies. But, um, but yeah, it was... Uh, it was a real vol- voluminous room. What would you yep. say? So what was the percentage? I mean, most shows, obviously, you go through drafts, but it's it's unusual for a show, once an episode is going, to be to not be used, right, to, to kill an episode in process. Oh, no, but obviously, you, like, you guys finish... No. no, but, no, but sketches. you finish sketches. You finish, you, you'd, yeah. you'd finish a sketch, and then maybe that wouldn't make it into an episode, right? Yeah. So Lots of them wouldn't. Yeah. So, so I would say that probably your show, or sketch comedy show... You probably have a lot of material that is finished and complete more than any other series. You would you would write more material than would actually make it on. Well, on how the it would work is we would do a read and say we would have I don't know Gary what like twenty sketches in a read. Let's say yeah, about forty minutes worth of material or something. Yeah, like that. and then and then Gary and Dan would take it away and they'd go okay and then they'd come back out and they'd they'd tell us the sketches that they'd want to be carded and more often than not it was maybe five six sketches if that yeah. out of the twenty so. Right then and there, there's 14 sketches that are out the window that you're never going to hear or see again. And then those six go up on the board. Out of those six, if you get six every day, and we were writing for, I don't know, like 42 days, let's say, uh, you know, you do the math, right? But then we only I have, do I'm not doing the math, I don't but do then it. we only have like 40 fair, fair slots for sketches. So what, like one sixth of those sketches are going to get in? Yeah, it's it's yeah. There's a there's a ton of stuff, and, and they're good sketches. They're Dan, not going. But Dan and I good. go into the secret chamber after the right. It's a weird uh, kissing room. Uh, the weird the necking room. We go in there and we just say yes or no, and we just and if Dan and I both like a sketch, then it becomes a card, and if we don't both like it, it doesn't usually. And then he he and I will sometimes uh, disagree, and he'll say something like, "I really like this one," and then I go, "Okay." <laughs> it's not so, you know, and then sometimes there's something that I really like and then he might not be so keen on. But, you know, we basically come to an agreement as to what can be a card. The The first thing is to be a card and then the cards go up on a wall and then we're assembling. Uh, when we're assembling the episode, it comes down to which ones do we really like? And which ones are you willing to spend five weeks of your life on? Yeah, and it's it's really the salmon swimming upstream thing. So a lot of them are not going to make it. Were there any ideas that uh, that kept on coming back that you're like, no, and it would come back again through someone to keep on pushing it, or yourself? You're like, ah, oh, maybe there's something in this. Anything, anything like that? Nothing springs to mind. I, not, yeah, I, I've forgotten. I guess you guys are brutal. Were... You're just like dead, done, finished. Yeah. You have to be. You have to be because you could literally, like, you could write three sketches in a day. You put them all in the read. You think they're really funny. None of them get in the read. You come yeah. back tomorrow. You do the exact same thing. None of them get in the read, or none of them get onto the board. And if you if you take that personally, you might as well just cut your head off yeah. because you're going into that day after day. 
and well, yeah, and what, you just kind of go like, well, if not today, tomorrow. What Dan and I try to convey uh, to the other writers is that we really like their work, we really respect their work, and we want the best stuff we can get from them. And then when we don't like a particular thing that they've written, please don't take it personally. We just don't think it fits the show for whatever reason. And uh, write some other stuff for us, and away we go. So, right, yeah. especially with sketch comedy, I think it's really just about getting back on the horse every day. Yeah, I think we've got time Pony. for uh, one more question. If anybody has a single I more question, I think right over here. Um, I, um, I, when you were starting out, I don't know if you covered this, but when you were starting out, uh, what were the, some of the stuff that you were doing? Were you doing theater in, in Toronto, or were you just writing? Um, I was just curious to know that. Well, uh, I started uh, with uh, improv and sketch comedy. I was in a troupe called The Chumps, and we had a radio show, and it was a very slow climb to uh, making a living. I worked as an actor. I did a lot of commercials. And um, I, th I don't think there's any real uh, straight line from not doing this to doing this. A lot of people come at it different ways. But like I said, a lot of the people who uh, come into writers' rooms for comedy shows... Uh, have worked, uh, have done stage uh, stuff where they put their ideas on stage either as a writer with a group and then you get actors to do it for you or you as a performer put it out there. Um, uh, there's a number of people who have gone through Second City. Uh, like I said, I was in a troupe called The Chumps and those the, the influence of those guys that were in that troupe with me uh, stay with me to this day as to what they thought was funny and what we put on stage. And these influences you have... Uh, uh, help you out later on, but there's there's no real straight line. Um, the thing is to write a lot and to try to get your uh, what you write in front of an audience. And of course, when I was starting out, there was no such thing as YouTube. So um, you know now people will write things and shoot them, and you know they can do great, and and that could be a calling card for people as well. Jen, I pretty much have the same story. <laughs> I I came from. Um, a performance background. Uh, after I finished theater school, I wrote a little bit of stuff for the theater, for the theater, and then um, and then mostly just started improvising and working my way through the live comedy world. And uh, met Gary, and my life changed forever. Yeah, That's as will it. all of yours now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, guys, thank you so much. I hope this we was boring. amazing. So what a great much. show! Season two coming soon. Uh, we hope that to be on TV in September. September, so make sure episodes. make sure you watch it then. Make sure you watch it now. Check it online. Talk about it. Tweet. There's a number of hashtags there. Uh, so th yeah, thank you to the Writers Guild. Thank you to Tiff. Thank you to everyone here for coming out tonight. And yeah, that was Sunnyside. Thanks, thank guys. You. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Writers Talking TV, and thanks to Gary Pearson and Jan Carwana for coming in to talk about Sunnyside. Hey, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at writerstalkingtv at gmail.com. And if you had a good time, log into iTunes and share your feedback. Writers Talking TV is sponsored by the Writers Guild of Canada, and today's event was held at the TIFF Bell Lightbox in Toronto. The show's technical producer is Philip Vukovic. I'm Simon Rassiopa, and remember, stay on the sunny side. Always on the sunny side. <laughs>